Let's take a look by the numbers and see if there's a way for Purdue to knock off Michigan and blow everything up for the Big Ten's college football playoff odds. You are locked on Big Ten, your daily podcast on the Big Ten Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, thanks for tuning in to Locked On Big Ten. I'm your host, Nate Dickinson. Coming up on today's show, we're going to take a look at some of the numbers behind Purdue versus Michigan, get a little bit more of an insight before the big game tomorrow night on what Purdue can win to try, do to try and get the win and pull off this upset. Before we do any of that, though, today's show is brought to you by Bet Bet BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, so let's break things down here. Uh, let's start with where we're at on the baseline. Purdue's a much more, I guess, not as talented team as Michigan, to put it nicely. The recruiting rankings say it. The actual rankings say it. The play that we've seen on the field says it. Uh, so the question is, how does a team that is coming in as the underdog and is coming in at a deficit ends up beating a team it's better than? So, so what's the basic blueprint for an upset? really. And when you take a look at some of the things that Purdue has going its way, you start to realize that the Boilermakers might have some things that it can play to its advantage just off of some of the things it's done so far this season. First number I want to give to you, 93%. 93% is Purdue's red zone scoring percentage. If they get into the red zone, they're coming away out of that drive with points consistently. And at the sixth best rate in the country, that 93% is. So if Purdue gets drives going, it knows how to finish them and execute and get points. It's a veteran team. It is making sense that Purdue is knowing what it's doing on offense there with Jeff Brom there. The next number, 33%. That is what Purdue gives up on defense on third down conversion rate. Just a third of the time. Teams are getting their third downs against Purdue. That is 21st best in the country, cracking in at the top 25. The point being that in those big clutch plays, because again, if we take in and assume that Michigan's the better team here and throughout the course of a game is going to make some plays just that Purdue isn't going to be able to match up with, the ones you need to win are the big ones. The third down ones, the opportunities where you have the chance to score. Purdue's offense has proven it can get into the end zone and score points. Purdue's defense has shown that it can get off the field when it gets teams in third down situations. If it can get those kind of big plays to go their way, Purdue has a chance in this matchup. Next stat I want to give you, 42 which is the number of passes per game that Purdue throws, sixth best in the country. And Aiden O'Connell's playing in this game. I don't think there was ever a huge amount of doubt that he would, but early in the season, early in the week, of course, wasn't with the team. He's now back, of course, going to play in this game. Purdue's going to need to air the ball out if they fall behind, of course. And they're going to want to air the ball out just because that's what Purdue does. So if it gets into a point where Purdue has to start a comeback, there aren't that many teams that are throwing the ball around in the Big Ten like the Boilermakers do. If there was an opponent that at least had a shot at being able to score some points quickly, 
it could be the Boilermakers with what they do and how often they're used to passing the ball already. It's not a ground-and-pound team, and when you're the inferior team, you want to be able to move quick. If you fall behind, of course. Not going to say Purdue's going to do that for sure. I've learned my lesson, or starting to learn my lesson, by just assuming who the better team is with the Ohio State-Michigan thing. Another number. While Purdue throws the ball 42 times and throws the ball well, Michigan gives up just 177 passing yards per game. That's 11th in the country, but what makes it even more impressive is that they're giving up such few yards while opponents are still throwing the ball on Michigan a ton, which again makes sense. Teams fall behind against Michigan end up having to throw the ball, but teams throw the ball in pass percentage about 56% of the time against Michigan. That's like 123rd most or least in the country, I guess you would say. It's a lot is the point that I'm making. And as far as opponents' passes per game, they rank 63rd in the country as far as fewest passes per game that a team will get against Michigan. So teams are throwing a lot and still not getting the yardage against the Wolverines. So they're really good on defense. So you have that. The other number, though, that I want to put into your heads as far as just, hey, what has to go right? If you're thinking about what makes an upset, winning the turnover battle. And while Michigan's been really good in just about everything, one spot where they have not been great is in the takeaways. Averaging just 1.1 takeaways per game this season, that puts them at 108th in the country. So if Purdue wins the turnover battle, if Purdue gets into the end zone and gets points when it's close to the end zone, and if Purdue is able to hold back the Michigan team on third downs, that's the formula to getting an upset. Purdue knows a thing or two about getting upsets, as an unranked team especially. So you have at least the formula for a win. When you're thinking about what is it that makes an upset, what is it that allows a lesser team to beat a team that it's not as good as, it's those kind of things. It's winning the plays that matter most, even if you're not winning the other ones, and also winning the bit of a luck battle in the turnover side of things. So if Purdue can get that and keep Michigan from taking away the ball, as Michigan has not been great at doing this season, Purdue's got a chance. It's a slim chance. And I want to talk to you in a minute here about what happens if that actually happens. If Purdue somehow wins this game and finds a way to get itself up to what would be... uh, think, what are they, 8-4, and 9-4 and four on the season now? I, I know they're 6-3 and three in the conference. I've been only paying attention to Big Ten conference records for the past month or months or whatever it is, especially in the West. But point being, if Purdue wins this game and sends Michigan into the decision day with a loss and sends Ohio State then in the same spot with one loss, what happens with the college football playoff if Michigan loses? We'll talk about that in just a minute here on Locked On Big Ten. Of course, if you want to get your money in on the action for the Big Ten Championship game or any other Big Ten game going on, you can do it over at Bet Online. Bet Online has everything that you need to make sure that you're not only placing the bets with the best odds that you can find and that you can find odds for your game. Bet Online has more than anyone. You can also make sure you're getting the information that you need to make sure that you're placing the smartest bet that you can. Head on over to Bet Online to see what I'm talking about. Website looks nice, which isn't a given if you've been online sports gambling for a while, and it's easy to navigate to. So head on over to Bet Online, where the game starts. So Michigan is a heavy favorite, obviously, going into this game. 
But what happens if the Wolverines lose as far as the college football playoff goes and what we'll see next after the weekend? The point here that I think we need to really, really look at is where are you at between Michigan and Ohio State in that scenario? Obviously, the Michigan fans will say Michigan should be in and over Ohio State because Michigan beat Ohio State. The Ohio State fans say that this should be an Alabama-Tennessee situation, where right now Alabama's ranked higher than Tennessee because their losses are better, even though Tennessee beat Alabama head-to-head. So what happens in that place? Who do you have on top between Michigan and Ohio State if there's that one loss? Ohio State's to the better team in Michigan, but of course having the head-to-head wind, and Michigan having the loss to a Purdue team that would put them in the ranks of some of the lower tier losses that some of these football championship contenders have right now. I don't know what the answer is for myself. I think I would want to honor the head-to-head matchup and say that Michigan is in over Ohio State in that case, but I think that's not the only scenario you have to think about here. I mean, Michigan has one loss but beat the better team, or but beat Ohio State. Ohio State has the better loss, but again, didn't play in the Big Ten Championship because it lost to Michigan. So is it possible that only one of those teams then gets in and it's the team that lost the game in the Buckeyes? Even worse, is it possible that Alabama gets in at this point? And for some reason, they still find a way to get the Crimson tied into this game. I don't know. But if Michigan loses this game, that's a scenario they've been talking about because not only does Michigan's resume get worse with the Purdue loss, but also Ohio State's resume gets a little bit worse because it beat a team in Michigan who now has a lesser resume too. Meanwhile, Alabama has two really good losses and has a chance to pick up some momentum if LSU were to upset Georgia in the SEC championship game, a team that it just barely lost to. It lost would get better. So I'm not sure exactly what happens, but if Michigan loses this game, I just know it opens the door to a whole bunch of crazy, crazy stuff. And I don't know what happens then if, all right, so say TCU, USC both win. So they're both in. We don't have to talk about that. Georgia's obviously in as well too, I think, win or even loss at this point. But anyway, if it's only one spot left to be had, and we're talking about, is it Alabama? Is it Ohio State? Is it Michigan? I don't know what the committee does. But I know that the committee likes putting a team like Alabama in, of course. I know that this committee has been pretty consistent in trying to say, hey, whoever wins that Michigan-Ohio State game is the one that's going to punch its ticket to the playoff. I'm just not sure exactly what it is. And on top of all of that, if Michigan loses, you're looking at a team that's going into this decision without its best player, too, in Blake Corum. And while... Michigan did a really good job at beating Ohio State without him last week. You would then have this evidence that Michigan isn't quite the same team when he's not there and when J.J. McCarthy isn't having an outstanding game. You assume he wouldn't have an outstanding game if Michigan's losing it. I don't know what happens, but I I know that I do think this for sure, that if you're going to knock the Big Ten all season and say that it only has two good teams, then I think you have to give it the credit that it deserves, Michigan being, that is, for being able to beat the other good team without your best player. I think that should have the kind of weight that 
the Big Ten had holding it down throughout the entire season when everyone was saying that it's Michigan and Ohio State and nobody else in the conference. If that's the case, then the fact that Michigan beat Ohio State bad without their best player should negate the factor of Blake Corum isn't there in the decision. Because the committee said and has voted as such before that if there's injured players, they're going to judge the team as it's currently constructed, not necessarily on what it has done. It, obviously, the resume matters too still, but you know what I'm saying. If there's an injury on a team, they think about that when they're making their decisions. I think that the fact that Michigan beat Ohio State without Corum would in this hypothetical, should in this hypothetical, be enough to say, hey, this team's good enough with or without him. I don't think that's what the committee would do, but I do think that that's what should happen. I also don't think the committee is going to leave the Big Ten out entirely no matter what. I think that Ohio State, Michigan with one loss, and Alabama getting in with two would just look bad, but it's going to be a real interesting decision if Michigan does lose this game. Who do you put in? Is it the Wolverines or is it the Buckeyes? It's the same conversation as we had with Alabama and Tennessee, but now you have it at a much, not much, but at a bigger scale because it's more recent and it's with two teams that again would have just that one loss to their name too. So it's a weird scenario to try and go over, but I do think the Big Ten's getting at least its one team in, but if Michigan loses, then we go from having a situation where you're hoping you can get two teams to a situation where you're maybe a little worried that you might not even get one. And that's a weird, weird switch to have to make at the very last second, for sure. I don't think that's how it plays out, but it's just, I know it's a possibility in the back of my head. So I'm just like, gosh, I really hope it doesn't happen. All right, let's wrap things up with a look around everything going on in the Big Ten today. We've got some transfer news, big transfer news on the football field. Michigan quarterback Cade McNamara is transferring out of Michigan. We knew that earlier in the week, but now we know he's staying in the conference, heading to Iowa, which is an interesting, interesting move, and we'll have to talk to people about that next week here on the program. But with him going to Iowa, this could be dare I say, the answer at quarterback for the Hawkeyes? I mean, it's been a struggle, I know, but Cade McNamara, at the very least, has to have you feeling better than anybody you've seen on that field for Iowa in recent memory. I mean, this is a guy who is freshly removed from getting Michigan to the college football playoff. You can argue about how much of a game manager he was and what he is compared to J.J. McCarthy, but now he's getting compared to Spencer Petras, so it's a little bit better for him, I'd say. In other news around the Big Ten, uh, transfer news out of Minnesota, all Big Ten safety, not transfer news actually, my apologies, all Big Ten safety Tyler Newbin for the Gophers announced he's coming back, not transferring, not going pro, the big thing, but he's announced he's going to be coming back for another year with the Gophers. Kevin Warren, in an interview, said the Big Ten is going to look closely at division changes in its next spring meeting. Kevin Warren has found himself definitely liking to make moves quickly, as we've seen in his short time as commissioner. So I would imagine that if he wants to make that change, he'd be really pushing for it at the next meeting. And I'd imagine that if he does make that change, he would want that change to be put in effect as close to as immediately as possible. Other news, Iowa wide receiver Arlen Bruce the fourth and running back Gavin Williams have both entered the transfer portal. They will be out of Iowa. 
and also four-star wide receiver Amarian Miller has decommitted from Nebraska. Did not have any other Big Ten offers at the time of his commitment. He does have offers, though, out of Louisiana. This guy from LSU, Arkansas, Miami, South Carolina, other big, other big schools, too. Obviously, four-star recruit, you're going to get that. But it doesn't look like it's something where the Big Ten is going to compete for his services. In other news around the Big Ten schedule today, um, in men's basketball, only one game, but it's a good one, and it's a Big Ten game here in December. We're in that week now where we're going to have some Big Ten matchups for a little bit, about 10 days here. First one, number 16, Illinois, at number 22, Maryland tonight. That's going to be a good one. The NCAA Up AA Volleyball first round is underway. We had winner yesterday in Nebraska and also a whole bunch of teams playing today. Uh, in the matchups today, we already had at the time of recording an amazing match between Purdue and Tennessee in the first round with five sets. Purdue gets the win in five, so they'll be moving on. In other matchups, UMBC faces off against Penn State. Ohio State has not, oh, Tennessee State, not Tennessee. That one almost tripped me up. Wisconsin plays Quinnipiac, Nebraska against Kansas, Minnesota against Southeast Louisiana as well to wrap up the first round volleyball cover matches for Friday. And in hockey, number four, Minnesota, is against number 13, Michigan State. That one's just getting underway here as we record. And number 17, Ohio State, faces off against number six, Penn State, in a pair of top 25 matches. In a not 20, top 25 matchup, don't usually bring those up unless it's postseason or really important, but it's the only Big Ten game that we're not mentioning here, so I thought I'd throw it in. Number five, Michigan, is on the road against unranked Wisconsin. That's a look around the Big Ten schedule for the day. A look around everything going on in the Big Ten here as we wrap up for the weekend. Nate Dickinson with you. We're going to have more, of course, after the Big Ten championship game tomorrow and all sorts of stuff to talk about after the big college football playoff reveal. So a big week coming next week. You're not going to want to miss it. Be sure you're subscribed wherever you get your podcasts on YouTube or on Twitter at Locked On Big Ten, Locked On Big One Zero at the end, not T-E-N. And feel free to give me a follow, too. It's at Nate with Sports, Nate Dickinson on Twitter. I'll be back again on Monday with a full show here on Locked On Big Ten.